We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand that's pointing at your head. You think you're mad, too unstable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a West End town. Call the police, there's a madman around. Running down underground to a dive bar in a West End town. In a West End town, a dead end world. The Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. And yes, there was a remake made of that song in 1986 for the uh, Edmonton Oilers' three-peat attempt, which ended at the hands, frankly, of their own devices, which was another Pet Shop Boys song. Uh, very quickly, before we get to our ATB Financial headliner today, Mike Johnson, this text comes into us from the Chiseler, a.k.a. a voice from the past. I know this man well. Bob, we all know that you were the president of the Pet Shop Boys fan club. And uh, also a big fan of the Bronski beat. You were in their only MTV video, little known fact, but I won't tell anybody. Uh, dude from Red Deer. Uh, and then he adds, does the voice from the past. 97 gets three tonight. Oilers roll. 80s rock rules. All right. Well, there we go. Thank you very much. Uh, pleased to be joined on the line by a man who will probably tell you that early 90s rock rules more than 80s rock. I'm not sure about that, but Mike Johnson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. And just to make it clear, um, yeah. it was early 90s R&B that really, um, <laughs> that was the, the move in high school as I was going through it. So Art, yeah, not oh, yeah? the rock chip, but the R&B stuff what I, where I grew up. Did you, uh, by the way, have you seen Straight Outta Compton? I have. I've seen it a few times. I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought, uh, I thought they did a good job, but uh, yeah. not completely glamorizing what was a pretty volatile time. It was, it was, it was, they did a good, good job. I, I will say I probably would have walked on the other side of the street if I'd seen Sue Knight based on that movie. Like, uh, you know, Oh, my goodness. That was, guy is he's scary. He's, he's, he's a lunatic, and he is, yeah. And I, I think it's relatively accurate. You read some of the things that he's done in real life and the time he spent in jail, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I steer clear with him. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I, I went to the Great Westroom Forum freeze-out. Bruce McNall paid for it. Uh, at least we think he paid for it in 1989. Uh, Michigan State was there, along with Denver, Alberta, and UBC. And I recall that uh, we went to the same restaurant where four members of the Winnipeg Jets got held up about three weeks after us that year. And, uh, and I only bring that up because they were smart enough to know that the you know they were college kids with one college broadcaster, so we had no money. But uh, you know, when, when, when people, yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I it was it was kind of an interesting uh, memory from Los Angeles in 1989. Uh, alrighty, uh, so you were into the R and B, or that's what was rolling in your high school back in the day. Uh, it was then, and I probably still am now. I'm, uh, most things, but yeah, I have. Uh, I like the Urban Fair for sure. Do you have a guilty pleasures song? A song that you know is kind of cheesy, but you like it anyway? Oh no! Don't do this to me, Bob. Don't do this I, to I'm me. I'm going to give you, you the hard. I, I'm going to give you the hard hitting stuff later. This is the easy stuff. Right, I'm, I'm still a sucker for boys to men. I, I, I'm embarrassed. Don't repeat <laughs> that to anyone. Well, there's, there's only 35,000 uh, yeah. people listening to the show right now, so that's okay. Oh, my God. Boys to uh, men, yeah, eh? Really? Yeah, that was the move. That was, yeah, it was time for, you know, slow things down a little bit. Get your groove on. Yeah. yeah. Boys to men. Uh, I admit that uh, when I hear the, the song uh, More Than Words by Extreme, 
that takes me back to oh, a different yeah. time and place, right? Like, you know, those guys. Uh, yeah, I've, I've tried to pull that out in the guitar late at night a couple times, see if I could strum those chords just to give the guitar slap to, yeah. to, to set it off. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that one really well. Yeah, <laughs> lots of guys do. Lots of guys tried to pull that stunt to help out their cause that night. All right. Uh, yep. I think you know what I'm saying. So, speaking of helping out their cause, we uh, the two players that have become the most discussed in Edmonton over the last 24 to 48 hours, Mike, are, are Benoit Pouliot and Neil Yakupov, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. both of them basically played themselves off of the line with uh, Connor McDavid and Jordan Everly. I do expect at some point uh, Benoit Pouliot to end up pretty quickly back on the line with McDavid and Everly tonight, only because we saw Purcell off the line of Dreisaitl at all, or that whole line got reunited fairly quickly the other night as well. So maybe just your thoughts on what you're seeing, and and should we be surprised that there's some occasional consistency issues with Benoit Pouliot or that Nail Yakupov hasn't grasped it yet? No, we probably shouldn't be surprised. But I mean, I think first off, if you're one of those players or even from the outside watching them, I think you have to recognize what an incredible opportunity it is right there in front of them to play with McDavid, to play with Eberle, to be around a guy like that that can help your career, especially if you're Neil Yakupov, a young guy trying to find your way, trying to show that you can score and be an offensive guy consistently at the NHL level. It's a monstrous opportunity to play with McDavid. So um, that should not be lost on those guys. Uh, with Pouliot first, I think, of course, consistency issues may be there on occasion. There's a reason why he's never really scored 40 or more points. Um, you know, he puts up 15 to 18 goals, and he puts up 35 to 40 points, but not much more than that, despite playing with good players and despite um, having some pretty good skill. Um, yeah, so I know he took an, an offensive zone penalty, which has been the narrative for Benoit Pouliot. And, yeah, he, like a lot of players, takes occasionally bad penalties, very rarely takes what you might call a good penalty, a rough or an elbow or a charge or a, a back-checking trip or something. But... I think if you looked at his penalty differential, he's just, you know, he's just under as many penalties drawn as taken. So he's not really killing you with the penalties, even though it has fallen around for multiple teams that he takes bad penalties, especially in the offensive zone. I don't think that's as accurate as everyone perceives it to be. Um, and I think he does a lot of good things to help players like McDavid and Everly. He's good with his stick, and he can make nice plays, and he's pretty responsible defensively. And so I think he's a good fit for all those reasons. Um, but clearly Todd McClellan saw something he didn't like at the wrong moment, the wrong spot on the ice, and, and, and sat him down for it. But I think he's a player that could be good for him. And I, I think that the offensive zone penalties, while an issue for every player, I don't think they're necessarily more of an issue for him than anybody else. That's my take on it. I think the numbers would bear that out. And as for Nail Yakupov, I, you know, Bob, I'm – I like Nail. You know, he's a nice guy. You want to see him do well. He's friendly and he seems to care and he's embraced being in Edmonton. But I don't know if he sees the game well enough to play offense at a consistent level. He skates really fast. He shoots really hard. He can score goals. Um, and he had scored goals at the junior level. But uh, when you watch him play, he, he kind of water bugs around but doesn't really accomplish very much. He doesn't use his teammates, doesn't use the full scope of the ice. And he can't beat. He's not good enough to beat guys one on one in the NHL. He's just not. Not many players are. McDavid is, mm-hmm. but but Yakupov is not. And so, it's tricky when you're first overall. You clearly have done some pretty good things in hockey in your life to get picked first overall. 
but he's got to kind of redefine and yep. re-examine how he's going to play at the NHL level because what he was doing that got him there is not giving him the kind of success that he wants or that the Oilers want out of him um, in the NHL. And that's a tricky thing to do when you're 21 and you've had lots of success. You've been first overall. It seemed to work in the past. You might be a little stubborn on how to change it. And that's assuming you even can because maybe he can't. Maybe he's just not able to. And that's, that's what the Oilers and Todd McClellan have to figure out because for him to be effective, he's going to have to change the way he plays. All right. Uh, let's break it into two parts. We'll start with Pouliot. Uh, Mike, as mm-hmm. you're probably aware, Todd and the team had met to discuss taking two manly penalties coming out of the All-Star break. And, yeah. then, and then Pouliot takes two horrendous penalties. The first one, just egregious. You know, Kessler gave him a little bit of a shot. And immediate reaction, selfish play, straight to the box. Yep. So, yep. so then he gets then he gets sat for a while, and Yakupov gets thrust at the opportunity, and then Yakupov makes two mistakes on one play that costs the team a goal in a in a one goal game. So now Yak's back off that line. They throw Poliad back on there for the start of the third period. He takes another dump penalty. So part of it was the timing of the conversation that had occurred before. Uh, you have a lot of time for the analytics community. I have, yep. as you know, I probably have more time than the majority of the broadcasters out there. Uh, you do. Um, at times, I'm a little concerned that if you don't 100% agree with them, uh, they, they, some of the guys go a little sideways on you. Like it's, it's not an all and everything thing. There's, there is a little bit of shades of gray in this thing. Pouliot mm-hmm. has very good analytics numbers that would support. Like, I've had an analytics person that I like say to me, "He's Edmonton's second or third best forward." And I'm like, come on, man. Well, so he, that's not it's like a carried away. Yeah, he is. To me, he's a six or an eight. That's what he is. Yep. Maybe a five. Yep. And a seven is, is is always reserved as a third line center for me. So he's either the he's either the second guy on a second line, and if he is, you probably have a decent team, or he's a really good third line winger on a deep team like he was at the Rangers. So yep, I don't, that's I don't, fair. Is that fair in your mind? I think that is fair, and I think that, and I think, and you're exactly right. Like, you know, I'm interested in the numbers, as are you. They tell part of the story. They never tell the entire story, and you're right. And I don't have a problem with Todd McClellan sitting him down. You have yeah. a conversation about penalties, and you take an undisciplined one, sit him down. You get him, you give him another opportunity, you take another bad one, sit him down. I don't have a problem with that. And that's Benoit Pouliot's discipline problem time, and you got to appreciate what's going on on your team, the mood, the temperature, where you are, what you can do, all those things. Um, but, but I think he does do a lot of good things as far as creating loose pucks and opportunities. Yep. And, um, and and you're right. He can play with good players. And, and he's got the opportunity to play with great ones there in Edmonton. And he's not a first-line guy. But, yeah, he might be a second winger on a second line, and that could be a really good line. Or on a third line, he could be a really solid, functioning member of, a, of an effective third line. And there are strengths to his game in the analytics areas that I don't necessarily – I think everyone appreciates as far as um, generating possession, generating scoring chances, loose puck retrieval, zone entry, zone exit, those kind of things um, that maybe are not seen because he doesn't put up huge points. But um, you, you can, there's room for guys like that on offensive lines that maybe do some of the little things, even though they may not have the, the finishing skills of, of McDavid and Everly. One of the things that's happened last, I mean, basically back half of last year once the Oilers' power play got going, uh, and he's, you know, he is the net front guy, and he, he capitalized a bit on that. But 
He was good with Everlay and Nugent Hopkins last year. They were not good this year at the start of the year. All three players were, you know, Everlay was coming off shoulder injury. Nugent Hopkins was sick for three weeks, and Benoit had a lower body issue that affected his play. And now he's been good again statistically with McDavid. So it's not surprising that the numbers are good. Now, Yakupov, to me, Mike, watching Nail, I feel bad for him. Like, I'm at the stage where I, I, okay, I know he's paid well, but I feel bad for him because I think he means well. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's obstinance and stubbornness in his game, and he doesn't work hard enough in practice on the areas that he, he needs to improve more in. He tends to focus... It, like you know, he, he loves to work on his one timer, but, but there's other aspects of the game that he has to dramatically improve in order to be a consistent. Play. And the problem he has is at times his body language suggests that he doesn't want to play in the bottom six, but there's nothing in his game that warrants him playing consistently in the top six. That's yeah, and he might be one of those classic yeah. tweeners. You know what I mean? Where where he he's got the skill that suits a top six role, but not the effectiveness, and he doesn't have the mental makeup yeah. to play bottom six. And that's that's not even that's no fault of his own. Like I, I was kind of like that, too. I, I didn't really love playing in the bottom six when I was put in that role, and I wasn't a high-end top six guy. So you have to get on a team where maybe you don't have as many top six guys around you that will push you down into a role that you're not as well-suited for. But it's a challenge because the things that he needs to work at are not just – physical skills. You know what I mean? It's not just about I need to work on getting pucks along the wall and getting them out. It's, it's, it's as much about how to read the play, how to recognize spacing and timing and where to create attacks from. And, and that's a tricky thing to learn because it's, not, it's, it's a mental approach as much as it is physical for, for Nail. And, and that means a lot of video. That means a lot of concentration and, and trying to take things that you – see on screen, have been told to you, have been drawn out for you, and then apply them first in practice and then into a game. And it's tough to think and play for any player. It's tough to think and play. And that's what he's going to have to try to do over the course of the rest of this year, throughout the summer, if he wants to be a top six guy. And you're right. When you're around him, you're around him every single day, Bob. You know him as well as anyone. He's a good kid. He, I've, he means I've well. stuck up. They for like him. him in the room. Yeah, I've, but it's, I, not, I've, it's not working. It's not. I've stuck up for him more than anybody else. But we're at a stage here where he needs to do some things differently to improve. That's you know. And, hey, everybody with what they do in life is the, the people that are successful are trying to constantly improve. You know, you sit mm-hmm. there if you're hosting a radio show, you air check yourself and say, "I got to do this better. I got to be do this better." You know, and it's. As a player, as a coach, the, 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 you don't stop learning as a coach. Coaches continue to grow and evolve, and that's one of the reasons why the Oilers have a chance to have some success with Todd McClellan. On that note, final question for NHL hockey and Rogers analyst Mike. It's been a little bit Oilers-centric today. That's okay. Do you think the landscape is we're, – we're, we're closing in on the trade deadline, and, there, you know, there is some tough uh, – I said earlier in the show, last year at this time I couldn't see light at the end of the tunnel. I think McDavid gives this team light. And I also think that having an experienced coaching staff that's been successful, an experienced general manager that's won a Stanley Cup, I think that if I were a player, this would be a more attractive place right now than it was a year ago. Does that make it different? Like, have you been on teams where guys wanted to get traded at the deadline and get out of Dodge? And conversely, have you been a part of teams where nobody wanted to go because you guys thought you're maybe headed to a really good place? Yes, absolutely. And I think that 
being around the Oilers the last few years, it does feel really different this year. Even though the, the standings are they're still towards the bottom, they're certainly not as far down as they were in years past. It, there's a different feel. McDavid, of course, is a game changer. But you're right. I think having McClellan, Shirelli there, the new building, which is going to be ridiculous uh, to be part of an organization that's going to take care of you like that with those kind of facilities, um, that will all make guys be more inclined. To, you know what? I want to stick around because I played – for some bad teams and in Arizona and and guys are like, you know what, it's okay if I get dealt out of here because we don't see ourselves winning anytime soon. And and they were right. But I've also been this team in Tampa, I happened to be one of the guys who got traded out of there, that we thought we had a chance to get better. And nobody wanted to leave. I was the guy who got dealt for Nikolai Habi Bullen and then sure enough, two years later, they won the cup. And you could, the, the mood on that team was like, no, let's everyone stay together. We have something good here. Uh, maybe we can start building forward. And I think the Oilers are much closer to my Tampa experience for the guys on the team than they would have been for some of my Arizona experiences where everyone was probably not as upset to get moved along. There's a legendary story about Jeff Norton, Mike. He uh, was an Oiler, got moved at the deadline to Florida, and uh, mm-hmm. they had him on speakerphone. He called his wife and to tell her that he'd been traded. He was in the back, and she was yelling and screaming. She was so excited. <laughs> this is back when saying there was gm right so we're going back mid-1990s it's a pretty funny story uh great stuff where are you this week uh i am in toronto to watch the um revamped leaps shall we call them wow uh, against the flyers i want to see the flyers though because they, they, they need to make a push and i want to watch this gospel spare play he is uh he's really something since he's come on the scene here in philadelphia so We'll see what kind of impact he has in the game firsthand. He can shoot the pill. Thanks for your time, Mike. All right, Bobby. Have a great week. You bet. 12.53 in Edmonton. Back with NHL Today when we return on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Some guests in Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. I know Brendan Ulrich uh, took his uh, beautiful uh, wife-to-be. You engaged yet, Brendan? No, not quite. All right, your uh, girlfriend to uh, Ruth's Chris for Valentine's Day. I can confirm it is the best steak I've ever had. There we go. Perfect. I might have to come in and see uh, Brendan Connolly and the gang over at Ruth's Chris here. Haven't been there for a while. Hey, hockey fans, New West Travel and Transit Holidays have teamed up to bring you a great selection of special travel packages for destinations for weddings, honeymoons, sport packages, river cruising, golf getaways, and for the outstanding employees and salespeople in your company. New West Travel can design specific meeting and incentive reward packages to a variety of destinations around the world that will meet your budget plus they all include parking at edmonton international airport value park for more information call a friendly staff at new west travel or go online at newwesttravel.com to nhl today for kentwood ford with relationships with oilers past and present including Taylor Hall and Neil Yakupov, and here's Brendan Allrick. Well, we have 10 other games on tap tonight. Uh, Washington and Brooklyn take on the Islanders. Uh, the Caps are 22 points up on the Islanders in the Metro Division. Pittsburgh home to Detroit. Malkin will miss his seventh straight game for the Pens, who hold down the final wildcard spot out east. The Rangers are in Toronto. The Leafs are 30th overall in the NHL, one point back of the Oil. Ottawa home to Carolina. The Hurricanes two points back of a wild card spot. The Sens are six back. 
How about this? The Lightning are out of the playoffs right now. Uh, they are on home ice to the Jets, 1-4 and four in their last five. San Jose and Florida. The Sharks are a point back of the Ducks for second in the Pacific. L.A. in St. Louis. Brian Elliott will make his uh, 16th start in a row. He's 10-3-2 with 1.67 goals against average since Allen went down to injury. Nashville home to Boston. The Preds 1-4-1 in their past six at home. They're two points up on the Wild for the final Western Conference wildcard spot, so expect a desperate wild team tonight. Uh, Dallas in Arizona. The Stars may get Jason Spezza back from injury. He's missed the last six games with an upper body injury. Coyotes four points back of a playoff spot. And Vancouver they're home to uh, Anaheim tonight. The Canucks, six back of a playoff spot. The Ducks, now just three points back of the Kings for first in the Pacific. Bob, who is uh, going to run away with that? The Kings, or the Ducks, or even the Sharks are still in it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be the Ducks or the Kings. I don't see the Sharks coming in first. So one of the uh, Kings or the uh, Ducks. If they keep playing on the road, they might. <laughs> the Sharks, that is. Yeah, they're, what are they? Got 18 wins on the road this year. They're going good. On the road, no question. All righty. Uh, there, there, is that all the games tonight, Brendan? Yeah, that's all of them. Uh, Condors have won five straight, by the way. They host San Diego on Friday. Oil Kings in Brandon uh, tomorrow night. Moose Jaw Saturday. Regina on Sunday. And uh, the Golden Bears have a bye to the Canada West uh, playoffs. DB, second round. DB texts the show at 630, 6.30. He says, Nail Yakupov uh, processes the game at a junior level, but this is not junior. Uh, Jad says, Yak reminds me of another failing Russian named Nikolai Zhirdev. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he got traded to a third-round draft choice by Scott Housen uh, to the Ottawa uh, Ottawa Senators ended up back over in Europe. You can text us at 630-630, tweet us at orders now. Off to a 630-chad news weather traffic update with Eileen Bella. And when we come back, Bob Nicholson, the CEO of the Oilers Entertainment Group, named to Hockey Canada's Order of Canada. This is Oilers Now.